Hello and welcome to Pod Songs, where we interview inspirational people in service to others as inspiration for a new song. Today, my guest is the pianist Shane Thomas, and his guest is the suicide prevention advocate and motivational speaker, Kevin Hines. Hello, Hello. Shane. How are you doing? Oh, it's so good to be back. Great to see you again, mate. Really looking forward to this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I know it's going to be intense. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where, where is um, Kevin at the moment? Is he um, in America? I don't know. Yeah, I presume so. But okay. he does travel a lot, so could be anywhere. Because I was thinking, if he's in America, isn't it about five o'clock in the morning? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I guess he, he. I guess this is if there's a guy that lives every moment, it's going to be Kevin. There we go. Yeah, I like it. But how are you doing? Oh, fabulous! Thank you. Yeah. Actually, um, on Wednesday, I just gave a piano recital. I I did it at a hospital nearby. Mm. Um, they yeah, the hospital recently started a new program called the Healing Arts Program. Okay. And part of it, they installed um, a grand piano in the reception of the hospital, and they invite people um, from the local area to come down and give an hour performance here and there. Wow. How did it go? I was, I was very pleased with how it turned out actually. Yeah. Wow. Did people gather around to listen or were they going in, coming and going? Well, they, as much as they could, I suppose. Yeah. People threw some coins at me. <laughs> <laughs> A man of your talent should be uh, in the Carnegie Hall, let alone the reception of a hospital. How are you doing though? I mean, you've got, you've got a new well, setup. I, I like to do it though, because it's, yeah. you have to give back to your community. Well, that's true. Yeah. You're very conscientious. I see you've got a new setup behind you. You want to? Uh, slightly. Unfortunately, one of my, um, acoustic panels has fallen, which is why it's out of line. Ah. But, yeah. The screw it was on just slipped. Um, um, and now I have to sort of fix the wall up before I can put it back on. <laughs> <laughs> Because it was about it was about a year and a half ago that you were on something like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how it happened. That panel's been hanging there for over two years, and then it's just suddenly decided to fall. And you, how did your exams go? Um, I was really pleased with what I submitted, but it takes four weeks for us to get feedback. Mm-hmm. So it will be at least another week before I know my grades. Mm-hmm. The most important thing is I felt I'd done about as much research as I could reasonably. And, um, yeah, I just thought the quality of the, uh, the writing, the argument, I thought it was all there. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what subject was it on? What was, what was your topic? Well, my degrees in, um, philosophy and religion at the time I was taking a module in Buddhism. Mm-hmm. That module, I wrote an essay in defense of politically engaged Buddhism or socially active Buddhism. Um, and I was, I was comparing the life of the Buddha, the ministry of the Buddha, um, and the scriptures with the, the precepts of what's called engaged Buddhism. Um, yeah, mm. I thought it was quite a persuasive argument, but then in the same essay, I had to then vehemently argue against my own point to show it both sides. Mm. Yeah. Gosh, that's an, yeah, all in, on the spot in the exam room. Not in an exam room. No, that was a piece of coursework. Oh, that's easy. I mean, yeah, yeah. No, if 
for some of my modules, there are written exams, but they're not till May or June. Okay. Brings back memories of when I, my school days, long distance past, but uh, yeah, I was really a struggle. Did not, did not enjoy that. <laughs> so why, um, why did you pick Kevin though? For, cause of all the people to interview, what suicide prevention and well, there's multiple reasons, Jack. Um, partly it's, uh, there's always personal, personal reasons behind these choices. Um, well, suicide was something I'd contemplated for a very long time, uh, something which I'd acquired the means to perform. Um, and so, uh, you know, I kind of been at a low point myself, um, yeah, and it's it's interesting how that kind of fog gets lifted when you come out of that state of mind and you just barely understand what you were thinking or how you were so convinced of it. And it's it's mm. really interesting how the, the mind can get clouded. Yeah, yeah, because I was watching some of his videos and, uh, you know, he, he really is a, a dynamo now. He's going all around the world and he talks about, you know, when he was on the bridge, you know, this voice sh screaming in his head that he had to jump. and. Yeah, it's very powerful. Yeah, it's the voice. Yeah, we'll get into it when when he's here. But he, I think the voice was saying over and over and over again, "I need to die." Mm. And, um, yeah. I could still. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to talk with him about that. Yeah, get into it. Oh, yeah, yeah. But like the the psyche had almost reached an impasse, and it was just mm. a thought loop. It just couldn't get past this thought. I need to yeah. die. Wow. But it's interesting how. It was when he actually hit the water, um, or as he was falling, I suppose, that, that half a second after he jumped, he realized, wow, I immediately regret this. I, this is not what I really believed. Mm -hmm. um, God help me. Mm -hmm. He did. Um, it's interesting how these um, difficult times in people's lives sometimes uh, are catalysts for transformation. And if you look at him now, you'd, you couldn't, you'd never be able to predict where he'd come from. I mean, as I heard like 800,000 people a year, it's like an app, uh, commit suicide or something like that. It's a real, it's a pandemic no? but, and those are not, those are the only people who actually do it. I mean, if thinking about it and still is like, I mean, I've, I've never, I haven't gone that far myself. I've been depressed, but I haven't ever, you know, contemplated ending it all. So. But many people do, and you know, friends. You know, we all know somebody via via who's who's been affected. And yeah, I had a, I had quite a good friend of mine who um, was there the last term of university. I was going into the second year um, during the summer holidays. He jumped off a bridge in Brighton. That was the last of him. Right. And I first first thing we do is we come back come back to the start of a new academic year and uh. Our friend is gone. That was so yeah. Well, I'm sure there's lots of people going to get so much from this episode because oh, that's the great thing. Now the show, the show's evolved into this. Um, you know, before I just used to interview people, and and when I don't have a, an affinity to the subject, mm. it's it, you know it's because he's been interviewed by many people. I mean, he's been interviewed by Larry King and so many different webs, you know, different. Oh uh, yeah. Been, he's been in the media a lot as well. Yeah, yeah. Even but to this day. Yeah, but he's usually interviewed by people, not someone like yourself, 
who has affinity for it or not. He's usually just another reporter. So that's mm. what's that's what really is. I'll make sure to stay in the background on this one. Okay. Let you. And I really kind of want to get into the psychology and to some extent the the, the philosophy that, mm. that underpins such a such a mind state. Yeah. Because yeah. um, and how and how how does he think it comes about? How can he? How how does he intend to prevent this? Like he's he's been on so many um, he's been a board member of so many um, foundations associations in in the suicide prevention field, mm. and he's had amazing testimonials from yeah. from people who say he's a, he's a brilliant, eye opening, motivational speaker. Mm. I think for me, like just the images of him and how how happy and how strong and how. Yeah. Nice. He is. I mean, he's quite a buff, actually, from the pictures I saw. Really, <laughs> he looks like a looks like a firefighter or something. Oh yeah, he's he looks ripped. Yeah, ripped. Yeah. No, but you did such a good job on the last episode with Yasmin Mohammed. You know, you really also got into the psyche of you know. I mean, that's not a subject that, that I thought you would have any affinity for either, or, or be any good at having a conversation about because you know, as a you're not a, an Islamic woman. But, uh, you know, that was a great episode as well. So, And the song, of course, was amazing. I mean, People of the Garden, that was fantastic. That was such a such an emotional piece. But I, I, I think mean, you... Yeah, the, for me, the, the best part of it was, was writing the piece of music and and the pinnacle of it all was just when when Yasmin tweeted how that, that had really made her day. And yeah, oh, yeah. Ease. That's, there's nothing more I can um, aspire to. Yeah, aspire yeah, to my music because you make music and it touches people, but they're never involved in the creation, you know. But to think that they have some part in it is really next level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but for this song, for this episode, I mean, you're gonna have to surpass yourself because that's gonna be operatic, huh? It's deep subject matter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's, that, this is going to be a tough one. Um, You're going to go major or minor? <laughs> uh, no. Dear. Because Kevin, yeah, I'm just joking, but, um, you know, Kevin is upbeat. So if you take his energy, it's super positive, you know. So maybe you have to do both, you know, for beginning and the before and after. I think you do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's always a narrative in a, in a, in a good exactly. piece anyway, so... Yeah, so how do you come about, how do you... Out of the depths in the, in the piece of music. Mm. So how will you go about composing it? How do you, how, when do you usually get your inspiration? Um, in, in quiet moments, I think. Mm -hmm. um, either when I'm just introspecting or sometimes when I'm on a walk, mm -hmm. uh, especially in nature, then, then the, the world is really quiet silent and peaceful and, and things just spring up from the mind i find you don't really have to be so active it's almost i don't know it's almost like that thing in the gospel where it says ask and it shall be given you just make a you make an entreatment and uh somehow it's psyche responds to it or god responds to it and there it is yeah well, you're obviously very receptive to it, you know. Those, yeah, you know those frequencies. You're you're picking them up. You know, you're 
you're you're an ant- good, a really good antenna for for uh, some people have good antenna for ideas or even business decisions or or you know, anything in life you know but your your musical antenna is very attuned though. thank you here yeah it's the same same for me in the morning first thing usually like you know you wake up you're in that kind of half sleep state that's kind of another good time to to get any messages because this chattering mind which causes all our problems as i'm sure we'll get into it shuts up fair enough yeah yeah i normally wake up on the the wrong side of the bed (laughs) (laughs) you stumble out into the forest to try and get some peace uh honestly like it until 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 i've been awake for a few hours i'm just not really there i'm not really very happy i'm a bit irritable i'm a bit Unwilling. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a lot of inertia. You know, you just want to stay in bed, don't you? Some of us, anyway. Yeah. Um, actually, last thing at night, as I'm falling asleep, it's it's a pain for me because I have all these amazing, profound thoughts and ideas that, that pop into mind, and I just have to write them down. Hello. Hi, hey, Kevin. Kevin. Hey, how are you? Oh, I'm amazing. It's amazing to have you here. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. How have you been? I'm How's doing well. Doing well. Great. Thank you. Fabulous. Thanks so, so much for back. taking the time to join us. Of course. You bet. Whereabouts are you in the world? I'm currently in Los Angeles, but I, I, I reside in Atlanta. Uh, so it's not very early for you. It's very, very late. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> What time it's is a, it? It's a little early. It's six o'clock, but I wake up at five thirty every day. Okay. Wow. Dedication, discipline. Yeah. Okay. Well, where should we start? Do you want to give us a little bit about your story, Kevin? Sure, you bet. Um, so I was born in in you know abject poverty. Uh, uh, my birth parents, I'm adopted after they had me and my brother, you know, tragically, they succumbed to drugs and alcohol and they, they would eventually both die in a tragic way because of drugs and alcohol, because of mental illness. My brother and I would be placed in a foster care. He then died in foster care. Uh, We both got bronchitis and he passed away. And then I kind of bounced around to about five different homes until I got lucky enough to be taken in by the Muller family, who were my first great foster home. And from there, uh, Debbie Hines walked in their door one day and was looking for a little girl to take home to be the sister of Elizabeth Catherine, the girl she and Patrick Kevin Hines had already taken in. Uh, and they ended up, instead of taking a little girl home that day, they took me home. Wow. And, and uh, they made me their son. And they saved my life. From there, uh, I grew up in this beautiful household from this very dramatic infancy to this wonderful life in childhood and adolescence, I really thought to myself, you know, I've got it made in the shade. 
nothing can possibly go south from here. But I was very wrong. At 17 years of age, my brain broke. I had a complete mental breakdown in front of 1,200 people uh, at a theater show I was performing in as one of the leads. And I left the show mid-show before intermission. The teacher had to come on and play my role. Very soon thereafter, I was taken to go see my first psychiatrist. And I was in denial. I didn't want to believe that I had this mental illness they said I had. I didn't want to accept it. I didn't know what it was. I didn't like the idea. I didn't want to be labeled mental. Who mm. does? Who does? Fast forward two years later. From 17 to 19, it's a very rocky road. I'm skyrocketing up into manic euphoric natural highs, and I'm crashing into dark depressions every week. I have been diagnosed with bipolar type 1 with psychotic features. I live with bipolar disorder. It is a very difficult thing to live with. I even have my ups and downs today. People always think I'm recovered and I'm well, and that's really just a bunch of nonsense. I struggle on a regular basis, but I'm able to cope today because I have the tools and the techniques and the strategies to stabilize and be on an even keel while living with my diagnosis. But back then, I didn't know how to address it. I didn't know how to articulate myself. I didn't know who to talk to, what to say. So I kept it to myself. I, I, I got really great at burying and silencing my pain. And so what I teach people today all around the world, my travels, is how to unburden themselves, how to tell the truth about their pain, because a pain shared is a pain have. Hmm. And I wish I had known that back then. I wish I knew back then when I went to the bridge you see behind me, the Golden Gate Bridge, to attempt to take my life, to, to leap off. I wish I knew that my thoughts didn't have to become my actions. My thoughts don't have to become my actions. They can simply be my thoughts. They don't have to rule, define, or own what I do next. And if they don't have to become my actions, I never have to attempt or die in the first place by suicide. I wish I knew that, but I didn't. And at 19, in desperate pain, in complete despair, I did what I did. And I attempted to take my life in a way that is 99.9% .9 fatal. 99.9% .9 of the people who've done what I did never again get to tell their stories. They're out gone. Of all, out of all the people that have lived, I read that only 36 have ever survived. And that's out of a tremendous number. Yeah. Today, 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 the number has grown to about 41. I, ju I just spoke on the phone with the latest survivor. Um, he's doing well. He's uh, going to make a full recovery. And I believe he's going to walk again. Fantastic. Yeah. Because, of course, when you jumped, the first thing that went was your legs. Well, when I, when I jumped, I shattered my T12, L1, L2 lower vertebrae into shards. I missed severing my spinal cord by two millimeters. 
I didn't lose the ability to walk. I just had to go from a wheelchair to a walker and a back brace to a back brace and a cane while in the hospital. So it was a process getting back on my uh, on my feet. But as you were trying to swim, uh, um, were you able to use your legs? I couldn't feel them, but they were working. Feel them, but they were working. Cool. Wow, that's a, an amazing story you've you've left behind, Kevin. Ah. Must be, is that hard for you to tell to this day? No, when I'm doing when I'm doing well mentally, it's not hard for me to tell that story. You know, when I'm having a, when I'm having a hard day, sure. But right now is a good day. Good, yeah. <laughs> glad to hear it. Wow, no, I would have I would have never guessed that you uh, still struggled with bipolar to this day. Yeah, but I, most honestly, people yeah, most people don't know that. You know, they see the happy yeah. face and they see the 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 positivity I express, but I'm, I'm, I, when I, when I, when I create media for, for brain health and for mental well-being, which is kind of this new path I've taken, uh, we're creating media for all kinds of channels, obviously, just like everybody else, but we're also, um, working on larger projects in film and television, my wife and I and our team. Um, and, we want to create media that matters, media that gives back, media that helps people find hope, healing, and recovery from their struggles. Uh, we formed a production company, uh, and we are um, creating content everywhere uh, for to, to to inspire people to to be here tomorrow, to stay, to to fight, to live, to help, let them know that their life is worth living, that they do matter, that they are important. And they're important to us. And a lot of these people are like, why are we important to you? You don't even know us. We're like, because you're human and so are we. That's all we need. You know, so it's been quite a journey. And and in the in the 23 years I've been doing this work, hundreds of thousands of people have said this this work helped save their life, that my words helped save their life. And I don't own that. I'm not, I'm no lifesaver. I, I I give a message, I'm a conduit. And they go home and do the work and they save and change their own lives. And it's incredible. Um, and so we want to keep continuing to scale that media and cre create it to get, make change and to, to, to save lives. Yeah, it's amazing. Actually, I discovered your name through watching The Bridge. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I watched that about, I would say, three years ago when, okay. when, I, when I was in a bad place myself and was having similar considerations um yeah and i i kind of watched the bridge with the intention of making myself feel worse actually and wow. uh, i came when but what by the time it came to ken baldwin's interview and to your section in the film um i realized what i was contemplating was utterly wrong wow wow and i what I had to do is I had to place myself in your shoes based on what you'd told. The how in the split second after you let after you jumped, you went to reach for the barrier, but it was too late. And this yeah. en enormous weight of re regret that swept over you. It was an instantaneous regret for my actions and the absolute recognition that I just made the greatest mistake of my life and it was likely too late. And actually, I think it was Ken, Ken Baldwin, who said he, in it, when he was in that same moment, he realized everything he thought 
was unfixable was completely fixable. Yeah. Yeah. Now you two actually well, met, didn't you? Yeah, we did. We did a, um, a couple of uh, media appearances together. He's a wonderful man. Hmm. Could you, um, could you explain how, how this, um, how the bipolar disorder was, was affecting your thinking at the time? Absolutely. It's such, it's such a complex condition to live with. And of course you, you also had the, um, the psychotic features as well. Yeah. Bipolar depression is, is a, is, it's a, it's a, a myriad of ups and downs. You skyrocket into manic euphoric natural highs. Uh, but obviously once you go up, you must come down. So you come crashing down into this dark abyss of depression and pain, uh, a darkness so great you you can feel nothing else. You feel only pain and only strife and only struggle. And you come to a place where you begin to believe you are useless and worthless and have no value. And it's a very hard and difficult place to be. And it's, it's extremely stress-ridden. Um, with my particular type of bipolar depression, I have psychotic features. So I have... Uh, Bipolar disorder, type one with psychotic features, which means that I also deal with with severe hallucinations, auditory and visual, seeing and hearing things that nobody else can see or hear. Uh, and I also deal with paranoid delusions where I believe other people are out to get me, trying to hurt me and trying to kill me on a regular basis. Um, another one of my symptoms is heart palpitations. I'll feel like I'm having a or believe I'm having a heart attack when in fact I'm just having a heart palpitation. And it's just a, it, all of these things can be combined into one one episode where I can have all of them simultaneously. It's quite uh, terrifying. You get a spike of adrenaline. You believe you're in a threatened position. It's really a, a hard thing to deal with when you're going through all of the symptoms simultaneously. Or they can come and they can go in different waves. Um, but, but it's a uh, bipolar depression uh, is not for the faint of heart. And it is uh, a very difficult brain disease to live with uh, and to understand that you have to accept that it's going to be with you for the rest of your life. Um, but I have accepted it and I move forward and I fight the pain that I go through. Uh, and it's really brain pain, you know, brain health, brain illnesses, brain pain, brain diseases. Your brain is the single most powerful organ you wield, mostly on automatic mode. And, um, if your brain is malfunctioning, obviously there goes the rest of you. So I live with this disease, but you know what? Here's the bottom line. I also look at it not just as a curse, but as part of a blessing. I get to have bipolar disorder. Why do I get to have it? Because I'm alive. I exist, therefore I am. And so I appreciate the bipolar and don't just think of it as a curse. I think of it also as a gift. It's one of the things that has made me the most creative person I could possibly um, uh, talk about. You know, I, 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 I write poetry, I, I sketch, uh, I, I, I paint. Um, I have created clay figures. I, I do so much in the arts. Uh, and all of that, I believe, comes from my, my uh, boundless creativity which I have to say is part of the bipolar. That, that, that When you get to a manic state of being, the reason people with bipolar enjoy their mania 
is because when it gets to the highest of levels, you're so euphoric, you're so happy, you're so elated, you think nothing can take you down. The problem lies when you get so high, you begin to believe these grandiose delusions, things that aren't possible could be true. For example, when I was in the height of my bipolar mania at 17, I petitioned around my neighborhood to be the president of the United States. And wow. people just people just shut their doors in my face like that's not going to happen. You're not even old enough. And this is pretty ridiculous. I thought it to be a potential reality, but it was it was ridiculous. It was just so silly. And uh, in, in, in the height of other bipolar manic episodes that I've had, it's been very difficult to come back down um, because you can get stuck up there. And there was a period of my life living with this diagnosis that I got stuck in the bipolar mania for the better part of two years. Now, when you have bipolar mania for two years or longer, you, you are actually damaging your brain's uh, frontal lobe. Uh, you, you, the doctors ended up saying I have akin to brain damage uh, because I was living in a manic state of mind for two years and I could not bring myself back down the medication I was taking was not bringing me back to a level playing field. It is an extremely dangerous place to be. I'm very lucky I got past that. I've read some research, which which um, I can't remember details too much, but it suggested that if if you're in a either either a manic or in a depressed state for too long, um, the brain no longer interprets the world through its ordinary lens, and it begins right. to get how to how to understand the world through uh, normative logic, through normal lines of reasoning. That's absolutely correct. I mean, when I was going through that heightened mania for two years, there were times I could not talk, walk, breathe properly. I could not sleep. I could not eat. It was it was a, a vicious cycle, uh, and 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 I was just stuck in this place of abnormality, uh, and I was. And when I came down, when I crashed, it was monumentous. I can imagine, man. Yeah. I, I, you, from that experience alone, which was just three years ago, I'm so lucky to be where I am right now with a healed brain, a healed mind. You know, I once again, I'm not healed as in I don't have bipolar, but I'm uh, in the sense that I came down from that mania is what I'm speaking on. Uh, I, I still live in recovery every day, like one would live in recovery from substance use disorder. I fight to be here every day. I work hard with my brain health. I exercise. I eat healthy foods. I educate myself. I do so many things to balance my brain health. And, and I want to teach that to the world, which is why, you know, on my YouTube channel, uh, I have a, a, a playlist called Mental Health Hacks. It's, it's 35 different things anyone can do to balance their brain. It's incredible because I put in the time, I did the research, I did, I, I put in the effort, and then I disseminated these, these steps into uh, realistic things that anyone can do to balance their brain. It doesn't matter if you have bipolar or you have schizophrenia or you have major depression or you're just simply stressed out and you're going through a hard time. These hacks are for you or someone you love or know about who's struggling. Give them these tools so they can change their life. You make those tools sound really easy, really within reach. Could you, could the, you name a couple? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the, one of the things uh, I love talking about 
you know, people often ask me, because I live with anxiety, people often ask me, how do you battle your anxiety or when you have panic attacks to those heart palpitations? Well, it's very specific. So uh, the first thing I would do is when I wake up in the morning, and I did it this morning before I came on with you, I did my, I did my 20 minutes of meditation, transcendental meditation. So two minutes of just breathing, 20 minutes of repeating a mantra in my mind uh, silently. Uh, my personal mantra, my 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 piece of transcendental meditation that I was taught that was taught to me by uh, Guru Bob Roth, uh, the, the CEO of the David Lynch Foundation, and then so twenty minutes of just breathing and and, and saying that mantra in, internally, um, which is just mine. It's just for me. My my wife doesn't even know it. It's just it's solely uh, so I can uh, get my mind to a calm, a state of being that is safe uh, and a place that. Before I do anything else, I focus on just this stillness in life and silence. It's really incredible. And then two minutes of coming out of that, so 24 minutes total. Also, what I do throughout the day is something called basal nerve breathing or resonance breathing. I inhale four seconds through my nose. I hold for four seconds. I release pursed lips like a whistle, but no sound for six to eight seconds. I do that 30 to 40 times. I do that three times a day or whenever I'm anxious, panicky, uh, struggling with adrenaline rush. Uh, dealing with uh, uh, panic attack, all of these things uh, help uh, when when I do my breathing exercises. They help me come to a calm because those breathing that breathing technique um, exercises the basal nerve in the brain, but it also lowers a panic attack, lowers an anxiety attack, lowers a stress attack. It can lower your blood pressure, your blood sugar, your heart rate. Can quell an adrenaline rush. It's incredible the the versatility that is proper breathing. One of the things people don't really know, and, and I would say most people around the world aren't aware of this, but 88% of the population isn't breathing properly. When we feel threatened, when we're upset, when we're going through adrenaline rush, we have short, shallow breathing, which affects the, 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 the oxygen to your brain, which then affects the functionality of your brain and your body. So you go into these, if you don't do the breathing when you're going through these things, it just accelerates, it just excels to a point where you can't come back down and it ends up hurting you for the, in the long run. Breathing techniques and breathing exercises are crucial for every human being's well, well wellness. Amazing. Yeah, you've really highlighted well there the um the relationship or the the relation yeah, the re relationship between the the mind and the body and how they're so interwoven. Yeah. Um I couldn't the, help Those are the, the, uh, those are just two of the things one of the things that anyone can do is, you know, go get a, a box of chamomile tea, have it right before you go to bed. It's going to help soothe your mind, bring you to a calm, and you're actually going to find that over a period of months, you're going to start sleeping better. Who doesn't want better sleep? You know, and chamomile tea is so accessible by people all over the world, but it's so, uh, it's so physically therapeutic to people in pain, brain pain. I should go out after this interview and buy some. Thank you for the yeah. recommendation. And honestly, yeah. I will try that. Chamomile tea. I'm not sponsored by chamomile tea, by the way. It's just, no, no, it's, all right. it's, just it's just a thing I, I, I picked up. And, and look, you don't have to take my word for it. Go, go to the video on mental health hacks on youtube.com slash Kevin Hines. Watch the video on chamomile tea. Understand yes. I've done the research, but then go do your own research and figure it out yourself. I'm not telling you to take my word for it, but, but these hacks are in place. So people from all over the world, from all walks of life, can look at them and say, hey, I could do all of those things and I could get better. Are you kidding me? Who doesn't want to get better in their life? No, I'm not saying your word is gospel or anything, but hey, yeah. it's worked work for you and it's worked for others. What have I got to lose? Right.
exactly. And his breathing exercises as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, why is it that most of us um, have this short, shallow breathing? Is it because, is it a recent phenomenon, do you think? or have No, no. People, 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 you know, unless you do the research, unless you, unless you studied it, you don't know the effect of, of how powerful your breath work can be. You know, um, for example, on, on an extreme level, um, you you look at the Wim Hof and the Wim Hof method. I I used to practice that. Um, and, you know, while you're in the ice bath and you're doing your breathing to, to deal with the ice and to not panic and leave the ice, right? So he climbed Mount Everest in shorts and no shoes. And he was able to regulate his body's temperature through his breath work. I mean, wow. so people have to understand that I mean, that 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 legitimately happened you can't deny that that's a fact so if he can do that there's so much you can do to rebalance your well-being through breath work and if you just educate yourself about it if you just learn about the tools and techniques of the trade you could change your life today and the idea is change your brain change your life there's the neuroplasticity of the brain the brain is always changing and if you are going through all kinds of brain pain but you can find some semblance of self-awareness in that brain pain, in that struggle. You could fight to be well, and there are so many things you can do. And everyone says to me, well, Kevin, I don't have the money to go to therapy, or I don't have the money for psychiatric care. Well, fine. There are hundreds of things you can do that have nothing to do with clinical care that can benefit your brain today. Um, and that's what I offer on my channel is ways to, to change your brain, change your life forever. It was actually Mount Kilimanjaro, just to come in as a... Oh, thank you very much. Pardon yeah. me. Still a, still a huge achievement. <laughs> huge achievement, yeah. yeah. Sorry, what was I going to say? Um, yes, You've got you the fact checker on board here. That's yeah, that's good. what I'm here for. It's my one contribution Mount, to the conversation. Mount, Mount Kilimanjaro. I, I'm going to remember that. Okay. Yeah, the one in Africa. I mean, it's still... The... I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know my mountains very well. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, Kevin, as a you're very you're a very enthusiastic man and uh Jack's struggling to get a word in edgewise at the moment, but please please do try. <laughs> no, no, I'm enjoying it. It's fantastic. Yes, uh Kevin, you mentioned the your creative side was um and and you uh you make sculptures and you I paint write poetry, like I paint, I, I sketch, That's yeah. Thing. And and I knew nothing about that. It is is this poetry in particular? Uh, can I get hold of some of that? Is that on the internet? Well, I'll, I'll give you one right now. Um, this is something I wrote in eighth grade about the duality I felt inside since fourth grade. Huh. And I think, I think it really lends, it to, lends itself to the bipolar mind. Uh, and the, 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 it's a limerick, and it goes like this. He is ancient yet ageless. He is ticking yet timeless. He runs, not hunted, he chases. He is a man of many faces. He is the darkness. I am the light. I may be cracked, but I will never be broken. Cracked, but not broken. I've heard that phrase attributed to you a lot of times. That's the name of my book, Cracked, Not Broken, Surviving and Thriving After a Suicide Attempt. Yeah. And, uh, and my new book is, gonna, is coming out for pre-sale pretty soon. It's called The Art of Being Broken, How Storytelling Saves Lives. And the best part about that new book, when it, I think it's coming out in September, is that um, I have contributing authors in the book 
that share their story. So it's not just my story. It's stories of individuals from all walks of life who are sharing their journeys of struggle and tragedy to triumph to success. And it's it's going to move mountains because we have everyone include their steps to wellness and 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 they're all so vastly different and they're all clarified and 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 and, and very uh, laid out very 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 well and and people who read them and follow them are going to change their lives absolutely 100%. I th- I think your poem there was really amazing because you had these um these paradoxes and these dualities and that wow that really that really captures the the inner strife, I think, yeah. which I think that belongs to the human condition in general. Um, yeah, I, I think that even though it's very difficult for for ordinary people to imagine what it must be like to have bipolar or many of these psychiatric conditions, but I think it's I think it's all actually much nearer and dearer to us. I think we yeah. all struggle with that that paradox of who am I and what am I. What am yeah. I not? Or yeah. how do we reconcile our inner malice with our with our inner goodwill without seeing these as two split off entities? Yeah. Yeah. And how, how do we find an even keel and a balance? How do we stay within the four corners of the box? You know? What's the box? Well, that's the, it's a thing that my dad uh, kind of coined uh, back when I was really struggling a lot with bipolar. And it's a it's a it's a way we can all look at bipolar depression, is that is that there there are the highs and there are the lows and there are the in betweens, right? And this is where you want to be. You want to be on an even keel, right in the middle. But if you look at the four corners of the box, right? So right here, here's the box. Yeah. Look at the four corners of the box. You don't want to go too high. You don't want to come too low. You want to stay right in the middle on on an even line, and. And my father would always say, you know, he would, he would come to my room and he would say, okay, Kevin, where are you in the box today? And I, and, and if I was self-aware enough, I would tell him that I'm way up here, I'm way down here. And he would kind of help guide me back to a middle ground. Um, and it was, it, it became something I would live by as I grew older, uh, because if I could stay within the four corners, I could stay safe, I could stay sane and I could stay well. Uh, and it wouldn't always be like that, but if I could always bring myself back to that center, back to that moment of peace and tranquility, um, I, I was in a good place. Great. But that must, that must have been the, the last thing you wanted to hear when you were in this prolonged manic state for, for two years, you said. Um, yeah. To come back down to, to normalcy. Well, but, well to be fair, it? to be fair, the mania had become so out of control, I was out of control. And... And it wasn't a pleasant place to be. You know, when you get to that lower mania, you're you're happy, you're elated, you're flying high, you're, you're grandiose delusions. And but then when you get up there, when you're flying so high, you can't even see straight. You're hurting the people around you. You're hurting yourself. Your body is damaged. Your sleep is depraved. Deprived. You're you're just in immeasurable pain. Um, and so when I finally came down from that, it was a it was a blessing, uh, absolutely, because I was I was in danger of of hurting myself. I was in danger. Was this after the, your, your attempt off the suit? This is after my attempt. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Cause I've, I've, I've gone. So most people don't know this, but I've been in 10 psych ward stays for suicidal thinking in the last 22 years. The last stay was only in 2019 pre pandemic. So I was 
you know, it was, it's not that far off from where I was really struggling with my bipolar. Uh, and I'm very, very lucky to be at a, on an even keel today, but I've, I've done the work. I've put in the time, I've put in the effort to get to this space of, of middle ground. I think the work you're doing is really empowering because you're giving people these tools to help heal on their own. Um, of course, the situa situation in America is really tough because there is no um, healthcare afforded to everybody and, and therapy is really, really expensive. Yeah. Inaccessible to people. And I think it's, it's almost systemic, really, how um, the people who are least likely to be able to get help on their own are also the people who need it the most. Yeah, are the people that need it the most. And, and the lack of uh, available and accessible care and the lack of culturally competent care is really frustrating. Um, but once again, we can teach our children, our loved ones, our family, our friends who are struggling with their brain pain. We can teach them the tools and techniques that don't take clinical care that could significantly benefit their life. Um, it's, a, it's a matter of get, getting them to do and take those actions so they can get better. So I was the person who was so unwell, I couldn't be self-aware. It took me time to get there, but here I am today and I'm, 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 I've come so far. Yeah, I think we have a tendency to regard uh, psychotherapists and psychiatrists as these sort of almost... Uh, healers or mysterious shamans who are the only ones yeah. with the power to help but actually anyone who's actually been through therapy knows for a fact that the the therapist is more of a mediator but the the work is the work takes place within yourself yes you know it's the old adage, adage all of our answers lie inside of us um and, and really it's it, it's a it's it, it couldn't be more true it, it, if you look inward you can find peace, you can find hope, you can find healing, you can find recovery, you can find wellness. Uh, but, but the other part of it is you're not going to find the uberfication of your well-being right now in one step. You're not going to find it in one pill. You're not going to find it in one therapeutic endeavor. You have to do the research and do the work and put in the effort to change your life. And that's what people don't want to do. They want things to happen right now. And that's, it's just not the way the world works. Uh, you know, the Surgeon General of America just came out uh, with, uh, uh, with a, a, a quote that says that children under the age of 13 should not be utilizing social media, period, the end, done, because of the negative effects of social media on the brain. Social media, the very last thing it is, is social. It's actually very isolating. We used to be a, 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 the type of people when, you know, that weren't on our devices 24-7. So when you were on a bus and you were you know, sitting with hundreds of people, you, you noticed them around you. You knew they existed. You could see their faces and you could see their demeanor and, their, and if they were having a hard time, if they were doing well. You know, um, but today... Everybody is looking down at their mobile device and paying attention to no one. They've got their earphones in and they're not paying attention to the world. You know, that's why so many kids have walked in front of cars accidentally while on their phones because they were, they were so dissociated with real life. They didn't see the car that almost that, that, that was about to hit them 
like that, that's a that's a real life problem that exists in this world. Um, so we have to consider stepping away from those devices and focusing on the true reality, the people in it. And one of the things uh, I, I love to do is just to sit and be with my wife and to spend time with her and, 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 you know, just express our love and not really be so, I, I know so many couples who, when they sit down together at lunch or dinner, they're both on their phones. Like, sure. We do that sometimes when work is imminent and we have to get a deadline done, but otherwise we are looking at each other and, and focus on, 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 on our eyes and on our, on our facial expressions and what's going on. And, you know, we have to start bringing society back to that place because we are drowning in this, in this despondent nothingness, this void Absolutely. that is, that is our mobile, mobile device. And it's, yeah. you know, there, there, there's a group called half the story, which we love. It's a, it's a nonprofit organization out of, in America that is helping to write legislation to, to change the, 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 the rules and the laws for social media influence on children. Um, I don't know if you know this, but every 33 seconds, there are some social media platforms that push out self-harming behavior and self-negative thinking issues uh, that damage our children's brains. Um, and I'm not going to name the platforms, but I'm just going to say there are platforms that do that on purpose to affect the minds of, of children. And they have people that have done studies that know that these affect children in terrible ways. Every 33 seconds, the feed is refreshed and there's something negative. That's very dangerous for a child's mind. And, yeah. and, and hey, we one, have to. Yeah, I just want to chime in. Um, one, one thing I, I've actually learned from studying Buddhism recently is this idea that it's not just, it's not just your character that shapes your behaviors, but it's just as much your behaviors which shape your character. And when we're pushing or um, this kind of idealized image of mental illness or self-harm, eating disorders, which are, I can sense it all around me, yeah. um, you can imagine how persuasive that can be to a child. Well, the child's mind's not fully developed until they're 26. You give a child social media, you are, I, I promise you this, this is 100% fact, you're damaging their brain, period. And that's what half the story is dedicated to doing is to bring education and awareness to parents to say, this is not what your children should be looking at right now. Let them grow a little bit. Let their brains grow without it. Yes, they're going to complain. Yes, they're going to whine. Yes, they're going to cry. Everybody else has it. I don't care. You be the parent that understands that this is dangerous and take care of your child. I love what you said about there's nothing social about social media. It's antisocial. Yes. Well, just look at our species and how, how we, where we came from and, and where, where we are now. We started as, as a communal species. And then as our technology and independence grew, we became increasingly individualistic. Yeah. Uh, and now we're at the point where, at least, at least I, here in the UK, feel almost completely atomized from yeah. everything else. Yeah. I we're, guess it's very we're, similar we're, in America. We're, we're all one person. And now we all have our brand and our this and our that. And it's like, why don't we get back to what we were meant to be communal together, one in one nation, one one group, one culture, uh, one world. And uh, people don't get that 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 your family that either well whether it be the family you're born into or the family you make is crucial for your success in this life 
your interpersonal connection to other people is crucial for your well-being in this life. And people have forgotten that. And it's very sad. Yeah. I, I was reading a few um, papers in the uh, newspaper articles. And there were, there were all these people talking about how to, how to find happiness. And not, not just someone's opinion, but what does the research actually say about what makes people happy? And they found that strong social bonds were consistently the number one factor if you had people with you even if your life was really arduous um just having people around you as support and companions made made all the difference exactly i mean there's a there's a a, a, a great story about how if you can if you're if you're hanging from a cliff and you're about to fall you can hang on something like five times longer if someone is there rooting you on to come back to the to the other ledge, to the other side, to the safe side. If someone is there who's got your back and cares about you, you can hang on longer than if they're not because you feel isolated and alone if they're not. And so it's really important that we reach out to people. If, if, if we're the ones that are doing well and we're the ones that are sane and, and hopeful, we need to reach out to people who may not be and say, hey, I got your back. I'm here for you, whatever you need. I'm never going to judge what you say. If you happen to ever come to the thoughts of, of, of taking your life, I'm going to be here for you. You can reach out to me. Make yourself that type of person for the people you love, because we need to start having the conversation on suicide prevention at the breakfast, lunch, and dinner table. We need to start having the conversation and saying, I want you to know that I'm here for you I don't judge you. I only empathize. And if you're in pain, you can always talk to me. That's an incredible thing to be for someone who's going through a real deep struggle. It's not always going to, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be painful, but you can do that if you're doing well. And you can be that voice of reason, that steward of change for people in brain pain. I think it opens up a, a new, a new conversation about honesty. How, how could, I think you said that you were, you weren't being honest with yourself. You were in denial that you, that you were developing bipolar disorder. And you just didn't want to hear it. You weren't going to accept it. I didn't want to hear it when I was first diagnosed. I didn't like the idea. And I thought, I, I thought, I thought it made me flawed. I mm. thought it made, I mean, not that I already wasn't, but I thought it made me less than. And I didn't like the term mental illness and mental health because I didn't want to be labeled mental for the rest of my life. And I still don't. Uh, I prefer the term brain health. You know, you what know, fear would happen if you if you did tell tell your family or tell your friends or someone? Well, I mean, my family brought me to care, so they they knew I needed help. They knew I had the diagnosis, so that wasn't the issue. But but I didn't want to tell them the severity of my symptoms, the hallucinations, the paranoid delusions, the the manias, the depressions, how severe they were, the heart palpitations. Um, because I feared they would lock me up in a white walled padded room and throw away the key. My only understanding of a psychiatric unit at the time was from the film One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which is terrifying, and the film uh, Terminator 2, which is where he goes in the psych ward and takes out all those people. And I was like, I don't want to be in either of those places. So I just, uh, I just kept it to myself. I silenced my pain. And that's the one thing I want to leave your audience with is mm -hmm. it. it if you are going to learn one thing from me today and one thing alone, let it be this. Never again silence your pain. Because 
your pain is valid. Your pain is worthy of my time and others. And your pain matters simply because you do. When we silence our pain, when we bury our struggles, they only bubble and fester and grow until they burst in things like rage, aggression, violence, substance use disorder, eating disorders, suicidal thoughts, ideals, or actions. And I've dealt with all those. But I'm here today. And I'm here today to say, don't learn the hard way like I did. Mm. Learn, learn from me and stay right here. Be here tomorrow and every day after that because you are valued, you are loved, you are worthy, and you do matter. Be, be here tomorrow and you matter just by virtue of being human. We have a one in 400 trillion of a chance to exist in this world. To be born into this world, you have a one in 400 trillion of a chance. You are supposed to be here until your natural end, never to die by your hands. None of us are meant to take our lives. We, had, we fought so hard to get here in the first place. Just be. <laughs> That's a really powerful way of putting it, man. Wow. Thank you. Um, I had some more questions for you. Um, so you, you were taking some, some medications I hear to control, um, your epilepsy at one point. Um, yeah. When it was, when you came off those, um, that your problems really started. Do you, yeah. was it, was it actually the medications which, which had caused anything? Were they responsible in any way? No, the, the, the epileptic medications, I have epilepsy, the epileptic medications I was on right before I had my first breakdown, mental breakdown, um, had been hindering the severity of my bipolar depression. So they had been, they had been hiding it. This is very common. This was very common when they didn't, when they didn't know that this epileptic med also had antidepressant and, 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 and mood stabilizing properties, um, they would give it to people, but if you didn't know the person already had bipolar, it would, it would bring it would bring them to an even keel. But when they took me off the epileptic medication because my brain lesions had healed, uh, I had a complete mental breakdown because the medication was such an, um, a fast-acting med that when they removed it from my system pretty rapidly, I had a withdrawal and then a complete breakdown. And that was my first breakdown at 17, right before my attempt at 19. I must have seemed like it came pretty much out of nowhere. It was, uh, it was a whirlwind for my family and I, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I want to bring up something which is kind of positive in a way. Um, uh, I've read quite a, a few um, books on depth psychology, actually. Um, and... Because you were in this, you were in this place where you, you had this message telling you that you you needed to die, and I think you actually had those words "I need to die" going around in your head in a loop at one point. Yeah. Um. Now, now Carl Jung actually said that the symbol of death can can actually really stand for a, a symbol of transformation. It's not actually calling for you to um to take your life physically because the, the body by its organic function wants to live forever, essentially. Right. Right. Well, possibly want to, to die well and truly, but what it wants is a, a metaphysical, like a metaphorical death and a rebirth 
a transformation. And I feel like that's what people see in you. They see a transformed Kevin. They see a renewed Kevin. You know, I, 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 I totally relate to that. And, and people do see that. Um, I just want to remind them to, to not learn the hard way like I did and don't try anything like what I did and try to find solutions to their problems and recognize that suicide is never the solution to any problem. It is the problem. And that suicidal ideations are the greatest liars we know. You don't have to listen to them. My thoughts don't have to become my actions. They can simply be my thoughts, you know? And the, yeah, well, the reason I raised that is because when I was was having um, active suicidal ideation and I was well into the planning stage, you know, um, uh, I had to put myself on the spot for a moment and say, okay, well, I've I've got this this insistent voice telling me that that I need to die, that there's that there's no meaning or hope or anything. What if the message to die isn't literal what if it's symbolic what if i go out now and take my life because i just didn't understand what i was hearing what if instead yeah. i'm actually being called to renew myself transform myself emerge out of these ashes what a yeah. stupid mistake that would be it would be horrible it, it, you you could you could come to a better place in your life, a better mental well being, and you could be safe. Mm. We, I'm I'm really impressed with your um your activism work because this year we're we're now hoping to see the completion of the net under Golden Gate Bridge. That's yeah. already the way. And yeah, I, we I was there when um. I was invited to a, a, a talk. I think Margaret was there um, discussing the net. Really? Yeah. You no, know, Jack, what was it? You sent me a link a while ago. Um, I don't remember. <laughs> you don't remember. <laughs> no, but there were, about, there were about five or six people in America and they were all talking about how thrilled they were that, um, that this net was going to be installed and the work yeah, started that... shortly after. The net, the net is being installed right now to be done by the end of this year. We, yeah. we worked really hard. A big group of people worked really hard to make that happen. Can you imagine just how many, how many lives that one move is going to save this year? It's going to be incredible. And it's going to be a beacon for suicide prevention around the world. The largest, brightest, most powerful beacon for suicide prevention around the world. Fabulous. Um, Trying to wonder what else there was. Um, yeah, how 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 did you end up getting um invited to feature in the bridge? Because that's how I came. That's how I came to know about you. Yeah, uh, uh, I got a I got a message from the director of the film, who was considering having me in the movie, um, and and he he met me at my halfway home and. He asked me to be a part of the film and we did the interview and an interesting story after the interview, he didn't know how he could fit it into the rest of his film. So he was considering chopping it on the, on the cutting room floor. Um, but he was inspired to keep it and it became one of the most prominent parts of the film that people still talk about today. Yeah. It features my father and I for 10 minutes and it's, 
it was one of it was one of my proudest achievements back then, and it, and it was one of the biggest reasons I went to create a production company and make our own documentary, Suicide: The Ripple Effect. Um, it, you know, it, it, and that film has now been seen by two million people in in twenty plus countries. Hmm. Yeah, yeah you it, were di- you were director of that, weren't you? I did. I directed that uh, along with Greg Cherry and co-produced that. Yeah. And we're now making our ne- our next film called The Net about the 87-year effort to raise it at the Golden Gate Bridge. And um, it's chronicling the entire journey, the eight fights that failed, the current fight that's successful, the effort. And it's, it's going to be a powerhouse of a film. <laughs> Jack, I think you wanted to say something. Well, I just wanted to say how proud your father must be of you to see, because he's seen you come through this struggle. You know, you, you survived the fall and then he's worried you're going to, See you these breakdowns before it must have been a a roller coaster. Yeah, I've been a roller coaster. My my father was the first one to say, Kevin, you've come a long way from under the Golden Gate Bridge. He's <laughs> <laughs> not wrong. Yeah. Wow. Well, this has been fantastic. I really just listening to you guys go through it has been really touching and really got I got a lot from it. Well, thank you both for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah um, chamomile tea, man. That's that's that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, no, I I can't really say no to a hot drink, can I? It's the maybe little we'll things, meet, I think. Maybe we'll meet in person in the UK and have some tea. That would be very British of you. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Have you ever been here? Oh, many times, many times. Yeah, yeah. I've been to, I've actually been to the Golden Gate Bridge myself. Oh, have you? Yeah. Well, okay. But yeah, went to San Francisco. Uh, That was in 2016. Okay, great. I was there touring with um, the school choir at the time. Oh, wow. Remember, wow, such such an amazing view. I'd heard so much about that place. Yeah. It's an it's an Art Deco masterpiece that's currently not safe, but we're making it safe once and for all. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we've got too many we've got too many bridges in London over here, which aren't which aren't yeah. safe either. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, thanks again, Kevin. It's really we'll put all the links in the show notes. Anyone that wants to, how can you just say it again, please? It was your it was where should people go? Your YouTube yeah, channel, YouTube.com/slash Kevin Hines, and then follow me on IG at Kevin Hines Story. Okay, that's easy. Right. And I'm gonna I'm gonna subscribe to your YouTube channel. Thank you. Content. Yeah. Appreciate it. Appreciate just it. Kevin Hines, or is it Kevin Hines Foundation? Uh, yeah, it's just Kevin Hines. Just Kevin Hines. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Thanks again, mate. All right. Take care, everyone. Easy. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Keep it up, man. Bye. See you soon. Oh, Jack. <laughs> Flew by. I had I had so many things I wanted to say and ask, but wow. I think, I think it went well because I, I managed to just let him speak mm. pretty much. Yeah, no, you did great. I think you had a hard out because I, I would want to keep listening. It was really could have been a lot longer episode. It's, it's a really difficult topic because I don't want to try and I don't want to bring him down by focusing on the on the harshest elements of his story. So I have to I had to be considerate there. Yeah, but I thought, you know, I thought it was just like, you know, after you, after you commit suicide, after you've you failed attempt, I thought it was all roses, you know. 
you realize you wake up every day thinking the uh, you know i'm so happy to be here the sun is shining but then with mental illness it's not it's nothing's that simple so that's been really eye-opening for me to hear that mm. every day is a struggle I mean, for him yeah. to keep doing his practices keep keep on a short leash because yeah um, i often say smoke it sparingly as well it's another way of you know when you get yeah, when his, i get his daily struggles are yeah. not evident at all no such a such a happy healthy young looking man there yeah and how are you doing now then are you on, on the straight and narrow are you <laughs> where are you in the box today where am i in the box i feel pretty mellowed out actually <laughs> um, yeah it's just sometimes university work is stressful you got mm. deadlines you got an awful lot to read and you got more you got too much work and too little attention for it Mm, mm. that's the the main problem i have so after a certain number of hours into the day you know you've been working hard and you just you're not receptive to Mm. any learning you mean even if you even if you force yourself to do it nothing's going on board and it's really hard to just tell yourself you know what let's just stop Mm, mm. stop you've done what you can and it's good enough yeah yeah what what is the average age of someone that that does try to commit suicide you know if it's quite is it in the... age, i believe it's actually around the 40s no way i thought it would be i was going to say it was like a young man's young woman's game because you know he did it when he was in his young your your thoughts when you were young because when you, i was thinking when you're young you're kind of like you don't have this perspective you you, you know you you still problems seem like mountains but when you're older you know you realize but From maybe you recall it's around that i think it's like 35 to 45 seriously range yeah um it kind of makes sense though because from what i've from what i've read of young he talked he talked about effect what's kind of effectively known as the midlife crisis right the crisis crisis of meaning um when, when an individual reaches about 35 they enter the the second half of life. Or, second one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're no longer. Uh, they, what, 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 what he calls it? Um, they're no longer in the the morning of life, but they're now entering the afternoon of life, mm. which he means the sun is going down. Individual power is decreasing, vitality is decreasing, okay. and it's at this turning point that that people struggle. I mean, Robin Robin Williams was a famous example, but he was much older as well. Yeah. He, but then there's another um, crucial time around the age of 20, which is right. when Kevin had his issues. Now, particularly with psychotic disorders, they, they seem to crop up a, a lot around the age of 18 to 25. Right. That's what I thought. Yeah. more as, the... as the brain is starting to sort of reach maturity, yeah. um, it's also a difficult time for the mm. brain. It's, um, there are many adaptations you have to make. There's all the pressure of exams, but then there's the entry into adult life and leaving the nest and forging any image of who one is. And yeah, there's, there's a lot of psychological demands at that age. That's yeah. that's when nearly all um, schizophrenia sets in. Really? Yeah. I got a lot it from what you were saying. You know. And it can happen to older adults, but it's... It's normally the transition from adolescence into adulthood when it surfaces. 
yeah that really makes sense whenever you're going through a change like that you know you have to reframe you know what the voices are saying you know i got a lot from what you said about that you know about how you interpret the voices and that's that's such the benefit of psych philosophy as well as psychology psychology you know really knowing your place in the world and what you're here for and uh, you know this therapy from meaning yes really. it's, you have to you have to think for a second well uh, i'd read i read a few books on psychology at the time and i was still you know contemplating suicide um but then it just dawned upon me that you know don't forget what you've learned the the unconscious the unconscious is a poet the unconscious doesn't speak in in the same literal language of science you know if, it, if it's telling you to die or something it mm. it can mean something quite different so you need to yeah. you, then you go and explore symbols of death and uh you find all sorts of crazy things like um people used to keep uh, skulls in in a cabinet um as, and they have memento mori remember that you're mortal remember that you will die yeah, yeah. almost almost as an ironic object to keep like a human like a like a very strange kind of black humor mm. you know yeah. um stuff like that so like what some something can seem so obvious mm. not there's a there's an obvious interpretation right in front of you but it's not the right one but isn't isn't maybe the the thing that's so difficult is because it's it's the mind op you've used the mind your intellect to operate on yourself you know to operate on your own mind i've had i've had therapy as well though i took yeah. i i I've had at least two years of therapy, probably close oh, okay. to three. Right. And in reality, working through, um, firstly, working through the um, the split in my cell, mm -hmm. which is when um, I, I, I interpret it as my ego became increasingly cut off from my shadow, um, and it reached a critical point where I no longer identified as a single person, but thought that that there was me and there was this demon that was imitating me. It was, but I didn't believe it was the real me mm. because it had all of these um, violent and suicidal impulses, this uh, terribly critical lens through which the world was interpreted where nothing was meaningful, nothing was lasting. Um, it, I think the, the, one of the saddest and bleakest parts of it all was the idea that there was actually no such thing as love. Uh, imagine being told love is a social construct. Things like that, you know, and yeah. genuinely believing them and how, you know, just take one of those beliefs. Love, is a, love, love isn't real or, or, or love is illusory. It's just, there's just biological drives. Biomechanical, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's biomechanically explained. Um, there is really no altruism. People just um, people get help as high, and it does yeah. more for themselves than they're attempting to do for you. Wow, that's dynamite! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's world shattering, and I believed that. But you can that's a that's a thought. Yeah, you can rationalize your way to. That's how people rationalize the way to murder or or other people or themselves. Yeah. 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 Wow. I don't want to get too much into no my story. I mean, that's a no, but it, this is a, you know your story. Your your story can help other people. That's why people listen to podcasts. That's why you know people listen to someone else's story. It's because you know there are echoes, and uh, so it's no. very brave of you to talk about it as well. Because you know, I, I didn't know what Kevin's um 
religious stance was um, today. I know that at the time when he was um, being interviewed for the bridge, so this is probably 2005, um, he, he said that um, when he hit the water, he, he could hardly swim. And he, at the time, he, he thought he could only use his arms. Um, but underneath him, uh, I think he said uh, there was a seal. Yes, some sea lion or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, sea lion. That's it. And he, he thought that was a, a sign from God that mm. God protected him. And I found that very powerful. Yeah. You can say, oh, well, that's just a that's just a chance event. Or you can read into it a bit more, mm. which which maybe he has, because he seems to have extracted this principle that everyone kind of just by virtue of being human has intrinsic dignity, has an intrinsic purpose or a life to be lived. Mm. And um I guess like you one way you can reach that point of view is by analyzing what's happened there with the sea lion and say, Well, God has protected me. God wants me to be. There's a life which I need to live out. There's a myth which I need to live out and um I'm not done yet. Yeah. Because you're not done yet. Yeah. And the fact that he would intervene, it's uh can be interpreted as a message, really. Mm-hmm. God has a purpose for everybody. Yeah. His story is not finished. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, well, this is the part of the show where we slide into an amazing piece of music. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just have to go away and make it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really, do you know, um, my favorite thing for this from this discussion has been uh, that poem that he read. Yeah, wrote, yeah. Um, yeah. The, as a child, basically. Yeah, was it broken? Broken but not. What was it? Broken but not the hand. Cracked but not broken. Cra- cracked but not broken. That's yeah. it. That's that it. could be the title of the piece, or. Oh, I don't know. Oh. I don't want to yeah. steal his catchphrase, but. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you're. What I got from it was these paradoxes, though, um, those dualities I was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. How they exist within oneself. Yeah. That's that's the uh, that's the inner strife of the human condition. That's kind of that's what I call it. It's, It's common to everyone. It's just people feel it to different degrees, I think. And it can take one enormous proportions. It can become a an absolute civil war in there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, fighting yeah. against yourself, really. It is true, yeah. I had a good, ep- one of my first episodes was this Stephen C. Hayes, the psychologist, and he said, write down your, imagine the, your thoughts are a, a bus and your mind, your, your mind's a bus and your thoughts are passengers and write down what the thoughts are repeating at you. Don't think which are appropriate or even true. See them as arguing children. And yeah, I've used that a lot. That sometimes yeah. helps just to write it down, you know. Yeah, well, someone someone asked a question the other day. Um, they were saying, um, if you're angry, um, what you say when you're angry must be more true, because you have less inhibitions. You just mm. think a lot more without without filtering. So those those unfiltered messages are are your true thoughts. And then they brought they brought it to an online discussion. They said, well. That's not really true, because um, 
you have many parts to you. Yeah, I don't buy that. Yeah, many yeah. parts to you, and there's part the part of you which is angry, has an opinion, mm. but uh, it's not and the that, only voice in the dialogue. Those are the parts you need to work on. Yeah, because yeah. those are the that's the untrained conscious mind. Yeah, that's the tricky thing is whatever voice you're hearing, it's one of many. Yeah, and I suppose the role of the ego should be to mediate between them actually that makes real sense yeah because we're all this conflicting voices inside yeah yeah i think nietzsche said uh, that man is the the only animal which is as of yet not understood which i really love <laughs> yeah brilliant phrase as of yet not understood man i think that's true though um the human mind has been enigma to people Going back thousands of years, go back to St. Augustine, mm. go back even earlier. We just don't understand how it works. And mm. that's our biggest frustration in life, yeah. I think. Yeah. Like, what am I and how does this thing work? Why does it hide information from me? Why does it present these stupid images to me at night called dreams? Do they mean anything? There are problems to be unraveled, yeah. Yeah. Big questions. That's well, that's certainly enough to, to, yeah, well, it's certainly enough to make a, an epic song about it. It's going to be a long piece, I think, because it's going to so. tie in all this narrative. Or it could be a very compact piece. Mm. Condensed, simple. Well, you've heard of the one hit wonder, but I would like to present to you the one note wonder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thanks again, Shane. This has been a really fantastic episode. I'm so glad you could come back on and, uh, yeah. yeah. Gosh, but most of all, I'm just so happy to see Kevin smiling and he's yeah. strong. And he's and he's able to he's able to bring out strength yeah. in other people. It's amazing. We, we we live in such a world of negativity, and uh, like head headlines are always negative, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> social media and the algorithms against us. Yeah, there's just so much complaint in the world, but to just have, just to have a single positive word said about, said about us, mm -hmm. about our strength, about our capacity to adapt and change is, um, yeah, it's uh, it's refreshing to hear that. Yeah, we need more people like him. We need more of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah to counteract. Our minister of culture needs to get on board with that. We need more mm. of that. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure about this laissez-faire attitude at the moment. Oh. All right, mate. Well, I better go here. Yeah. It's been two hours now, so. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. And uh, I hope you, how's, how's your kid doing anyway? Let me ask he's, about your family. He's, he's doing great, thanks. Yeah, seven months now. About seven uh, months. Yeah. Okay. So just starting to eat and moving around a lot. You know, it's really, it's amazing time. Yeah. Keeps yeah. me grounded. Oh, good. Good to hear that. Yeah. So, it's just, how's the transition though for you? I mean, it's good to see him grow, but I guess there's a change in you too. Going also, from... the different voices. Yeah, different problems. You know, because coming the father. Yeah, it's changing who I am. You know, and the the dialogue has to change as well, and I have to be less selfish. And I'm I'm working on that. Yeah. But do you? But as um. Does that go from being a, like initially a frustration to being a a, a a brilliant purpose in its own right? Yeah, 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 for sure. I have meaning now, you know. 
Yeah. No, that's what that's why Jung spoke about the importance for most people to have children. There's, oh yeah. There's there's only so much of your life that you can actually live through yourself. Right. Well, I've been yeah. on repeat for a long time, so yeah, I need to have some new. One of one of the things I unlearned was this idea that there really was such a thing as the atomic individual. I thought there's there's no such thing as an atomic individual. You don't even know who you are without other people to recognize you for what you are. Their their impression of you informs your impression of you. Right. Mm. And you're not just this individual person. You have strands coming off you. You can't be this singularity because you exist within a nexus of other people, of other ideas. Yeah, yeah. That also take hold of you and you take hold of. Right. So many mirrors. So you can't be understood without the the surrounding network. Mm. And that's why I think we got to this point about the social network, the support network, being so crucial to human happiness uh, and a sense of uh, a meaningful life is because you have to realize at the end of the day that you cannot be this atomic individual, but you exist in and through other people as well. Like these, this, this idea of the atomic individual, mm. that's not all of you. Right. And it's maybe not even the bit that matters most. This goes back to social media and why it's so important to get, to get that reflection from real people rather than a, and an algorithm. Mm. Yeah. But all of my opinions are just my stupid opinions anyway. Well, they're pretty well informed. That's why I, <laughs> I can't wait to see what the comments will be. I can't wait to see what our, our <laughs> listeners will, will make yeah. discussion. Yeah. No, well, well, thanks again, Shane. I really had a great time with you. I'll go and, uh, very much. Go and get some reflections from my family, see what they think of me. And... Uh, well, actually, I was, I was planning to get some lunch, but you do you. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, bon appetito. I can't wait to hear what you come up with. You're in Milan, aren't you? Um, it's about an hour and a half south of Napoli. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll say ciao. Okay. Ciao, ciao. Arrivederci. <laughs> Take it easy, Jack. Bye, Shane. Bye.
Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the song and the episode. The song will be released next week. It will be available on all streaming platforms, but you can already pre-save. Please support the artists by following them on social media and adding the song to any playlists you have. This is a completely free show, and you've listened this far, so I'd really appreciate it if you could pay us back by clicking like and subscribe. And follow at PodSongs on social media platforms, or subscribe to the newsletter at podsongs.com for special updates. Or just tell the next person you see about this amazing show where musicians interview their idols and write a song about them. The songs are available for download from the PodSongs website as well, which pays a lot more than the 0.00 whatever we get from Spotify. You can also email me at jack at podsongs.com to give feedback, suggest an artist and guest combos you'd like to hear, or just say hello. We're a listener-supported show, and I'd love to hear from you. A final thanks to my researchers, Dory Verbo and Rosa Marino, my producer, Maurizio Sanicola of Goldmine Records, and musicians, Massimino Vozza and Luigi Falcioni. The next episode will be out soon. In the meantime, you can listen to more amazing episodes in the archives. Until then, have a great day.